believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And I look at this text tonight with Moses, and as we come to it, we realize he's just really said everything there is to say. He's literally on his deathbed, and he's going to exhort them. So I want us to think of the context of like one final exhortation, like when you're going in to say goodbye to somebody that's stepping into eternity, and they've got something to say to you who are staying behind in time, space, and matter. And with that in mind, we pick it up in verse 15, where Moses says this. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan and go in to possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. This really is that final encompassing statement where this is that final exhortation in that way. Now, there's other things that Moses says, but this is the the mountaintop of the final exhortation. And as we look at this, we need to consider this passage in light of the church, who we are, our lives, where we're at in life, and the forever application of this text for those who live by faith in Jesus Christ. Those who live by faith looking toward Christ in the Old Testament and those who live by faith looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith in the fullness of the New Testament and the church age. So he says, I've set before you. I've set before you. He says, I've set before you twice in verse 15 and in verse 19. And then he said, I announce to you. So we get the phrase, I set before you today. I announce to you today and I set before you. So it's very clear that he's bringing into a place of decision-making. He's presenting choices. Kind of like in The Wizard of Oz. Remember, you can go this way or that way, right? Like one of the most famous scenes ever, The Scarecrow and The Wizard of Oz. Choices. There are only two roads, right? We know that in the Bible. There's, there's the way, the truth, and the life through faith in Jesus Christ, and there's a way that seems right to men, but the end thereby is death. There are only two roads, and there are descriptives for either road one would choose. There is the road of faith, and there's the road of unbelief. And then there's a, on that road of faith, there's Jesus, there's life, there's justification, there's hope, there's heaven, there's everything. 
But on the other road, there's the exact opposite of death, condemnation. Where there's truth on this road, there's falsehood with the father of lies, Satan on that one. Where there's light on this road, Jesus is the light and life of men, there's darkness on the other one. And where obedience brings life, sin brings death. And so we have polar opposites, which is exactly what they are in the human experience. We're either saved by grace or under the wrath of God. We're either saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ or under the wrath of God. And there's no ambiguity, though, as we know, humanity is always pushing for ambiguity in a middle ground where it's all pluralized and there's no distinction of light and darkness, heaven and hell, life and death, justification, condemnation. The second Adam, Christ, in whom all are made alive, or the first Adam in Christ, by whom death entered the world and all died, because thus Adam sinned and died. Yet again, we have the clarity of absolute distinctions, which is, of course, the theme in the book of Deuteronomy. So tonight we think about choices. We're starting the second half of the year, of the year 2021. And there's choices. We've been making choices up to this point in time, all of us in this room at different ages and different parts of the journey with adult children, younger children, new children like Isaiah, who we just dedicated. We're, we're, making, we're making choices. And those that are blessed and have a lot of good fruit in our life, it reflects making primarily good choices. Those that are struggling, trying to rebuild their life or pick up the pieces from bad decisions, that's what you're doing, like my sister in Vero Beach. She made a lot of bad choices, and she faced the consequences of those, but now she's made more good choices, and she's starting to rebuild her life, and things are going good. If we had read chapter 30, which we didn't, but we did on Tuesday, we know that God said when you face all the consequences of your bad choices, if you will simply repent and believe and turn back to me with good choices, I will bless you, and I will again renew my blessings upon you. So even where bad choices have been made, and this is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, people can repent and believe and be restored to the Lord and make good choices. Now, I know most of you in this room, and I know most of you have made very good choices. We have to make choices every day. We're challenged to make choices. And just because we made good choices yesterday and this morning doesn't mean we're going to make the right choices tomorrow. There are people you could look at 20 years ago and looked at their life and how they're being used by the Lord, and you say they're making excellent choices. But if you Google their names on the Internet today, you'll find they went on to make very bad choices, and they've still faced the decisions and the consequences. They face the consequences of those bad decisions. And that's very sobering, as Pastor Chuck Smith used to say. I'm very secure when I'm abiding in Christ. I am not secure at all when I'm not abiding in Christ, which is what the Bible teaches so we're never to have this sense that we've arrived or this false sense of security that we can cruise. In fact, we saw we, Tuesday night and later in chapter 31 the warning that Israel would prosper in the land. And it, the word actually is fat. They'd grow fat and lazy and they'd turn their hearts from the Lord because they didn't need to depend upon the Lord. That's why we talk about the gifts of trials and tribulation and persecutions because they keep us close to the Lord. So with that context and that mindset, can't change yesterday. Most of us have made, as a whole, good decisions. We're still not done with the journey, and we're in different places with the journey. I think of Alex and Kaylee beginning a new life in Texas, who we prayed for last week. I saw the Insta story of them in Texas at a 4th of July party today, and Cammy had the watermelon. Did anyone see that? Raise your hand. Did anyone see that? That was the best. Like I was like, I'm so jealous in some ways, but... I go ride my bike on Huntington Beach bike path, so I'm not that jealous. Uh, 
But still, I appreciate it. Because I grew up in Virginia like that as a kid. So, you know, the watermelon, it's like a watermelon eating like, like country fair in the Midwest. And, and there's Cammy eating this watermelon. And yeah, don't touch it. And then she's like, adjust it and everything. And it's really cool. Like, I'm like, wow, good for them. They've made choices. They've chosen to move to Texas and begin a new life down there. They chose to benefit from how far their money can go in Texas and, and the adjustments, but the different political, geopolitical, social environment, different weather patterns. Some choices, we just make choices in life, right? Like you choose who you're going to marry maybe sometimes. Hopefully they choose back. Uh, or you didn't get married, uh, unless it's a different country that has different standards. But you choose, like, your college. You choose, like, I, do I want this job? Do I not want this job? Right? But those are our personal choices, but these are moral choices. The context here is moral choices, and that's very important to think about. So, yet again, Moses is affirming, exhorting, and all this. And the first choice that he lays before them, they're coupled together. So these are choices one and two, but because one of them pops up again later in the text, we'll make the first choice good and evil. That's the first choice, good and evil. I set before you life and good, death and evil. So he put life and good together and death and evil, but he's going to compare good and evil is the contrast. And life and death are the other contrasts that reappear in the second part of this passage. So let's look at this first choice of good and evil. Both are absolute. And the context, again, is morality. God is holy. And even on Thursday, I was teaching the pastors up in Downey, the Los Angeles Calvary Chapel pastors. And going through the Sermon on the Mount, I read that passage there in chapter 7 where it says, do not give that which is holy to the dogs. It's a very unusual verse if you're familiar with it. And don't cast your pearls before swine. When you try to please men of the world who make a mockery of the church, you're just casting holy things to dogs and you're casting pearls before swine. They don't care. They like it when we capitulate the kingdom and Christ to their agendas. Hitler, Stalin, and all those who came before him, they love that. There is absolute good, and there's absolute evil. And there's not an ambiguity there. And God is holy. He is light. And in him there's no moral darkness at all. So the challenge of every generation, including our generation right now, is that we stay true and firm to understanding what is good, and what is evil? I think it's safe to say most of us in this room clearly understand what's good and evil. Now, we didn't read the text before this directly before this passage, but that text says when you're trying to figure out what's right, it's already right there in your heart because God had given his word. He said it's, it's near to you. It's already in your heart. It's not far on the end of the sea. It's right there with you. And God's word makes very clear what's good and what's evil. So it really isn't an issue of gray ambiguity over what's good and evil. God is holy, and him is no darkness at all, moral darkness. And all we have to do is look at what God reveals about himself in his character to humanity, in sending his son who reveals all things of the Father to humanity, in his law which reveals his character of right and wrong for people, humanity, society. And with God, there's no shadow of turning. So what he reveals about himself, what he reveals about good and evil, it doesn't change. It's good and it's evil, and it's always going to be good and evil. In the eternal dimension, it's good and evil. In the realm of time, space, and matter, it's good and evil, and it's never going to change. What was evil, what's evil today on July 3rd, 2021, was evil in the year 1533 on July 2021. 
God doesn't change. Evil is always evil. And by God's character of his holiness being light morally, good is always going to be good. Now, when people of faith in the Old Testament, like the Hezekiahs, Josiahs, the Deborahs, the Esthers, they were good people. They aligned their hearts morally with their world vision and faith to obey God's word and God's law. Deborah and Esther, Hezekiah, Jehoshaphat, David. They did evil sometimes like David, but they didn't blame God for their evil or not call it evil. David, in fact, David, the man for God's own heart, said, said this about God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So whenever anyone tries to take something evil and say that's a result of God, like God made them evil, biologically, gender confusion, stuff like that, that's blasphemous. Now, in a fallen world, you have deformities and you have different things that happen and abnormalities. But whatever science and pseudoscience would say about those things, we need to understand, if God says something evil in the Old Testament, it's evil. And if it's reaffirmed the New Testament is evil, you can be absolutely sure without wavering it's evil. And if God says something is good in the Old Testament, it's good in the New Testament. Because God doesn't change. So Moses would say, I set before you good and evil. And Jesus Christ, as Lord and head of his church, would say to us tonight, WG, church congregation, going forward in 2021 in the second half of the year, I set before you good and evil. Do you believe God is good? Have you tasted and known that the Lord is good? Do you understand everything he wants to do in your life is good? The difficult things that come in your life work together for good because you love God. God is good. Are we seeking good? Because God wants us to seek the good. In Philippians, there's that passage in Philippians chapter 4. Where it tells us to set our, you know, to set our minds on the things above and all that. And it goes on to say, in Philippians right here, let me get there. Chapter 4, about being anxious for nothing and all that. But he said, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. There's peace when we do good. We receive good and we live in good, and there's peace in doing good. God tells us both in the Old Testament and the New Testament to meditate upon his goodness and let it dictate the thoughts and tents of our heart. Blessed is the man who delights himself, the woman who delights herself in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. She'll be like a, a tree planted by the river and she'll bear so much fruit in all of her seasons, as will the man. That woman, that man is meditating on good, God's law, God's word, and it's shaping their thinking and their worldview. And they know absolute good and they know absolute evil. There's no confusion. This is right, this is wrong. And Moses knew, and Jesus knows, and we all know that every generation, the devil is pushing us to a middle ground where we get confused over right and wrong. But the distinction between good and evil with God is as distinct as light and darkness. And they can never cohabitate. Either these lights are on or these lights are off. It's that simple. You can't have light and darkness together. 
If we were to take pink colors of just saying white and black, and you merge them together, you get a gray. That's ambiguity. They say like the gray middle ground. That's where you get that idea of the gray middle ground. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to take the distinctions and muddle them. So the distinctions of light and darkness become some weird ambiguous twilight or something. But with God, it is absolute. So as we think about our decision-making, as we think about our vision, as we think about our goals, as we think about what we're living for, what we're pursuing, we want to meditate on the things that are good. The text I just read from Philippians 4. And also, we want to be on guard against evil. We want to love God and obey God, and we want to show that love because he loves us through obedience, and we're going to be very careful about evil. We're going to recognize evil. We're going to be repulsed by evil. Now, again, I'm quoting Pastor Chuck, but I remember Pastor Chuck saying something years ago that really got my attention. He said there's something fascinating about evil in the human experience, that we're curious about evil. And isn't that true? It's the truth of knowledge of good and evil. There's something fascinating about evil. There's something in us, in our fallen nature, that wants to know a little more about evil. Why else would there be so many horrible TV shows based upon mass murderers and criminal minds? Not just sensual evils and how far that can go, but just violent evils. There's a fascination There's a fascination with psychopaths and sociopaths and narcissistic behavior in these things and criminal minds. There's something in us that is fascinated by evil. And we have to make sure we don't feed that. Because again, quoting Pastor Chuck, if you feed the flesh, know this, it is never satisfied. You cannot appease the flesh. You can't negotiate with the flesh. I'll give you, Danny prayed about every part of our heart belonging to the Lord. You can't give up any acreage to the flesh. It'll demand more acreage. So we have to be on guard against the evil of our day. We know we live in an evil time. So that passage from Psalm 102 just sort of summarizes everything best. Excuse me, Psalm 101. I'll set no evil thing before my eyes. And we just have to really purpose proactively to set no evil things before our eyes. I, we can see enough evil without trying to see evil, right? You can see enough evil without trying to see evil. Evil will find you walking in righteousness. That's why we take every thought captive and obedient to Christ. We don't need to find evil and look for evil. You know, it's funny with those people that have younger kids. You have standards that govern your home when you're parents, right? We all know that. And like what, you know, you're trying to be gracious. You don't want to be legalistic. It's hard. It's hard. Like your parents, you know, you understand. It's hard. It's hard to find that balance, you know. We're not Quakers and Amish or something, and, but you appreciate that. But we don't want our kids to train wreck when in the real world and not be able to stand like Daniel and Babylon. It's, it's a tricky thing. But you know, once you're older and they've grown up, it is what it is. And you can't change it. If you had a good home, they grew up in a good home. If you let evil in your home, you let evil in your home. We only get the one life. And then when they're gone, it's you and your spouse or you by yourself, and you still determine what comes in your home. Said no evil thing. So we need to recognize evil. We need to be repulsed by evil, and we need to reject evil. Because we're going to, our God's a good, good God. 
And we're going to a good, good kingdom. And he's got a good, good plan for our life in the midst of this world that we live in. And we're going to glory. And evil has no place in his kingdom. Evil has 0.00000 place in his kingdom. There is no evil in the kingdom of God. And when people want to call evil things good and think that somehow they'll transcend the dimension for the kingdom of God, know this, they will not. Or as I told the pastors, the world's rainbow is not the kingdom's rainbow. The world's rainbow is evil, all evil against God. God's rainbow is over his presence in his throne room. Do not confuse the two from here to eternity. And we make the right choices for good over evil. Evil's evil. And Christ died on the cross for evil people, which we are. So it's not like we don't have empathy on evil people. We do. But I'm not going to let people blaspheme the character of God and say he's evil and making them evil. And what do they want to take from me from here to eternity? I'm so close to eternity, what's it matter to me anyways? You young people, it might be a little harder. You have one life. Most people waste their life. You're not wasting your life, you're here tonight. Do you know most people totally waste their life? In a good decade. Like right now, it's like everyone's drinking Kool-Aid that's like delusional. Choose good, not evil. Choose faith, obedience, love. Know what you believe and be able to stand on that and be willing to die for it. We've all asked what hill we want to die on. I'm willing to die on the hill of truth, and I think most of you are too. I have no intention of capitulating truth. And whatever evil men want to twist against me for standing for truth and take from me, it all gets left behind anyways. If you take my life when I can remember who I am, that's just as well. Because sooner or later, you'll live long enough, you won't know who you are. And you won't know who in the room, who's in the room with you. So enjoy this day by faith and obey the Lord and choose good, not evil. Reject evil. Christ died on the cross to remove evil and provide a way for evil people to come to his kingdom. And that evil does not transcend the dimension. Everything that tempts us with evil, that entices us with evil, none of it is in the next dimension. None of it is in the culture where we're going to. None of it. Never has been, never will be. Because if it was, then heaven's not a glorious place. And heaven is a glorious place. The second choice he set before him was the choice of life and death, which is the result of good and evil. Good equals life. Evil equals death. The wage of sin is death, and sin is evil. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So if we choose life, we're choosing faith in Jesus Christ. Now that's verses there in verse 15. He said, see that I set before you today life and good, death and evil. So there's life and death are contrasted as death and evil were. And then later on there in verse 19, you see it where it says, again, I set before you life and death. So there he puts them together solo. But it actually puts him with death and with cursings and blessings, which is our third point. But life and death. Life and death. See, as we know, we're born in sin. And we're born under a death sentence. Physically, we're all going to die. We're going that direction. Entropy is working in the universe. As the Bible clearly explains, the origin of it, Adam and sin and rebellion. 
its far-reaching effect on the entire universe. God didn't create death as some monstrous Darwinistic worldview, some theistic evolution. God created a beautiful universe in a young earth. And Adam, our father, brought death into this universe, not God. And Jesus is life. And John tells us he's the light and the life of men. But men don't like the light, so they reject the light. But there in John 1, 4, he's the light and the life of men. He is our life. Jesus said, I didn't come to take life, but to give life. And he says he gives us abundant life. And we know through faith in Jesus, we're born again, we're given spiritual life. So we're given spiritual life when we're born again, because that was of the flesh is flesh, that was of the born of the spirit of spirit. We're given spiritual life, we're made alive spiritually, so we're cognizant, we're able to comprehend God's presence and the spirit speaks to us. He speaks to us. We know that. His spirit, we're told, confirms our spirit that we're his. That's why it's so beautiful to rise in the morning and hear the Lord speaking to you. And suddenly something you've been thinking about for a few weeks, like, I'm not sure about Matthew, but I I feel called to do Matthew. And then suddenly you wake up and you're praying. The Lord says, I want you to do Sermon on the Mount. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.